Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Devin Katayama, and you're listening to The Bay, local news to keep you rooted. During the pandemic, corporations have still been paying cash to buy houses in the Bay Area. And it's almost impossible for most people to compete with that kind of money. Now there's a new state law that's meant to give families a shot at competing and slow down the gentrification that's become a regular part of Bay Area life. People who were well-positioned prior to the pandemic are as well-positioned or even more well-positioned after. And those who were struggling to make ends meet before the pandemic are now even worse off. Today, we'll introduce you to a grandmother in the Bay who's competing against a corporation to buy the home she lives in. Aaron Baldessari, KQED housing affordability reporter, you and your colleague Molly Solomon have been reporting on this story. And I'd first just like to start by having you introduce us to Jocelyn Foreman. Jocelyn Foreman is 50 years old. She's a Berkeley native. I have um, three sisters and two brothers. One of my brothers is deceased. And we all grew up in Berkeley. She grew up in a really uh, tight-knit community in South Berkeley, a historically black neighborhood. I grew up at 1705 Fairby Street, approximately three blocks from Malcolm X School, where I am currently the family engagement specialist. She had been homeless on and off for the past 20 years, couch surfing with family, extended family, really just sleeping anywhere, everywhere that she could. I slept in the kitchen on a old futon cushion. I don't know whose cushion it was. All I know is that it was in their closet. I bought sheets for it and I bought um, pillows and I needed to. She moved into the house where she currently lives in Pinole in 2018. And she had heard about the house through a co-worker who, you know, mentioned that his uncle had recently passed away and that the house that he had lived in was recently vacant. So she called the homeowner's daughter, uh, Rochelle Mayfield. Her family was part of the Great Migration. Her grandparents had moved from Texas and Louisiana in search of wartime jobs um, and were able to buy property and to start businesses in the East Bay. And after a series of conversations, she agreed to rent the house to Jocelyn. Did you get to see the house? Yes, I did, yeah. It is um, a pretty, you know, a simple house, a kind of a 1970s tract home. It's tan with brown trim. It's set up on a hill. There's a steep sloping backyard. And then you see all of this foliage out here. 
that's where we were going to sit over there. But this is the back side of the house, and that was my room. And then next, and that, Jocelyn has right five here. children, um, most of which are adults now. So they'll come and go. You know, one of them is in college, so she'll come. You know, and live with her seasonally. Some of her children have children of their own. So she's a grandma now. She has three grandchildren. You know, they will spend time in the house and, and live with her while she's there. And that room is my daughter's room where my grandson is. And then uh, her twin lives in the other room. And then I have to hurry up and get this carpet in here because my daughter is coming home from college. And she, too, has a set of twins and a partner. Wow. So this is home base for us. It's hard to overstate just how much this house means to Jocelyn. I'm a praying woman. My father is a preacher. And I would stand out there on that little, uh, that little porch and, and, and I would look up at the sky and I would open my arms up and just thank him for just allowing me to be in this space. For the first time in really 20 years, she was able to find some stability. Just the, the creation of home base is um, necessary. Like, we can look at Easter now. We can have an Easter egg hunt for the babies when they walk. Fourth um, of July is really festive in Fourth of July. Birthdays are birthdays now. Christmas is Christmas now. In the periods of her life when she's been able to be housed, she's also been able to be her full self at work. And, you know, her job is really to connect people to the resources that they need. And so she's really, you know, sees this as her opportunity to really help her community because when she is stable, her community is stable. So Jocelyn Formas had this house that she's lived in since 2018. Being there has obviously had a really positive impact on her and her family. Can you tell me about what's happened with the house more recently? Jocelyn found some notices that were posted to her door in February of 2020, saying that the house was scheduled for a trustee sale. This is basically the last step in a foreclosure process when the home is actually scheduled to be sold. Because of the pandemic, it turned out that it took a full year for the house to actually be put up for sale at an auction. And that happened in March of this year. Um, so she she did something really unusual. Um, she actually went to the foreclosure auction. You feel tingly under your skin? That is how I felt the entire time. It was at the Pleasant Hill Community Center. It was held outside. She arrived and found, you know, a handful of men and women. They were sitting in plastic chairs in a semicircle outside of this, you know, kind of sandstone colored building. Uh, many of them were holding folders and, and um, clutching cell phones. And, you know, and then the bidding began. When the bidding started at 175000 they actually thought that, you know, she would have a chance of buying the house. She thought that, you know, if it didn't go much higher, then, you know, she actually could stand a chance of getting a loan and, and purchasing the house. The reason she was hopeful was because there's a new law that was passed that actually allows tenants of foreclosed properties the opportunity to match a winning bid. I watched this little lady and this man going back and forth bidding. But as soon as the price reached 600000 you know, her stomach just dropped and she realized that it was going to be very, very difficult to match this bid. 
she actually, you know, sort of ran after the, the woman who had made the winning bid in the parking lot. I approached the lady that gave the check and identified myself as the tenant. And, you know, asked her, who, who are you with? Like, what, what company are you with? Asked her for her card and the name of her company. She didn't have a card, but she gave us the name of the company. And the woman told her Wedgwood. Molly Solomon, I'd like to bring you in here because I think the name Wedgwood might ring a bell for a lot of people, especially some of our listeners. And actually, you've done some reporting on Wedgwood. Can you tell me a little bit about this company? Wedgwood is probably ringing a couple bells for people that have been paying attention to housing news in the last year or so, um, because that's the company, the Southern California Real Estate Company, that drew a lot of attention in 2019 and last year after a group of black homeless mothers occupied a vacant house that Wedgwood had purchased at a foreclosure auction that was located in West Oakland. Um, That's the group called Moms for Housing. Uh, And they were really occupying that house on Magnolia Street because Wedgwood had purchased it. And they wanted to really shine a light on what they said was, you know, increasing uh, corporate ownership of homes in Oakland, um, especially from speculators and flippers like Wedgwood. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about the speculation and the the flipping. Like what what does Wedgwood say that they do? So if you look on Wedgwood's website, and you know, they, they, they actually said that they are in the fix and flip business model and that their um, whole thing is really turning distressed homes that they purchase at foreclosure auctions, uh, fixing them up, and then selling them back on the market. And that's their business model. That's how they make a profit. When we went and looked at how much property they have actually purchased during the pandemic, uh, we found that they've bought up at least 276 properties in California, and they've spent about over $150 million uh, just since the pandemic began through their you know, network of LLCs and shell companies. A lot of that is in California, Southern California, uh, the Bay Area as well, in Oakland, we found. And, and, you know, part of their business model is that, you know, they call them distressed homes in distressed neighborhoods. You know, these tend to be in communities of color, uh, neighborhoods that are experiencing displacement and gentrification. If we make money, we make money on our efficiency on what we do. We typically make money on our rehab because we can do it better, quicker, faster, and cheaper than somebody else. We were able to speak with Greg Geiser, the founder and CEO of the company. He did, you know, agree to do an interview after we messaged him several times. Um, Mm. And, you know, when we asked him about his business model, you know, like he was pretty upfront that that is what they do. This is their business. They do flip homes. But the way that Greg Geiser framed it was that he was mostly saying that this was a good thing, that they were coming into these neighborhoods and making them better. The property on Magnolia that was, it was so publicized, that property didn't have running water. So we provided housing. Housing advocates might challenge that notion and say that they're actually doing a lot of harm to these communities by by pushing people who can no longer afford to be there out. How have companies like Wedgwood become such a huge problem for potential homebuyers? When you are going up against a company like Wedgwood that has an enormous amount of capital, that has the resources to purchase homes, 
it's very difficult to compete with that kind of money. And I think in the Bay Area especially, you know, we already have a housing shortage before the pandemic. Um, And then you see that, you know, there's the potential for corporations like Wedgwood to purchase more and more of our housing stock, potentially driving up the price of that housing stock. I think it just makes it increasingly difficult for working families, for working families like Jocelyn. Just ahead, we're going to come back to Jocelyn Foreman and explain how she has a slim chance to buy the house she lives in, thanks to a new state law. I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfatah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. So let's talk a little bit about how, you know, an average buyer can be a little bit more competitive. Aaron, when Jocelyn Foreman shows up to this foreclosure auction, finds out that Wedgwood's bought the house that she's living in, I imagine first off that hearing that just would be really stressful. But you said earlier that Jocelyn, you know, wanted to buy the house herself thought that maybe because of this new state law, she could. So tell us a little bit more about this law and explain why she thought that this law could actually help her buy the house. So SB 1079 was meant to give homeowners a chance to compete with large corporations like Wedgwood by allowing a 45-day window for uh, tenants as well as um, nonprofit affordable housing providers and community land trusts, the opportunity to match a bid at a foreclosure auction. Jocelyn was actually pretty, you know, sophisticated. She was able to reach out to someone she's known for a really long time who works at the Sustainable Economies Law Center, which is basically a legal aid advocacy group. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were able to connect her to a land trust that is working with her to be able to finance the purchase of this house. The big problem, though, was that this law didn't come with any money attached to it. Essentially, Jocelyn has until April 18th to raise about $100,000 that will help the land trust secure the financing that it needs in order to buy the house. After that, they need to raise about $250,000 in order to keep the house permanently affordable for Jocelyn. You know, nonprofits and land trusts, which are essentially nonprofits, you know, they aren't sitting on giant piles of cash. Most people, if you need to qualify for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, you can't go to the auction and buy a house. You know, we talked to Steve King. He is the executive director of the Oakland Community Land Trust, a land trust that was actually 
formed in the wake of the Great Recession in order to uh, get more properties into the hands of uh, homeowners and not corporations. And he says that this law is not that helpful without some funding behind it. It's not a one-trick pony. We need um, a, a system of different policies and, and programmatic elements put in place to, to make this work. Molly, let's say that Jocelyn can't match Wedgwood's bid. What does Wedgwood plan to do with the house? Do you have any idea? You know, initially when we had reached out to them about this property in particular, Greg had sent an email and his response basically was, all we know is that we bought a house and it's occupied. And, you know, we went back and we asked him, well, well, what are the plans? What do you plan to do with this home? You know, would you rent it out to Jocelyn? Would you keep her on as a tenant? Would you evict her so that you could sell the house on, on the market? And, you know, they didn't really have an answer for this. I think they're still waiting to see how this plays out. We, we don't know, you know, you, you guys know more way about, you know, than we do. We don't have a deed. We're technically not the owner. It's possible that Wedgwood, you know, might be able to negotiate something with Jocelyn. And it sounded like they were open to having those discussions with her and trying to figure something out. Sounds like this woman is in a special situation and we will deal with her, you know, in special. I, I suspect we're going to, you know, work out. We will, we will come to a resolution. But what we do know is that this company in particular does have a history of being very aggressive with evictions um, because, you know, they don't hold on to these properties for long. Housing is a human right. It's not a luxury. That is the fear, is that if Jocelyn were not able to match the bid and if Wedgwood became the owner of this house, um, I think the fear is that that would mean that Jocelyn would have to leave and that would maybe mean that Jocelyn would not have a home. I think the part that that just messes with me a little bit is that I broke cycles for myself to be here. I broke those cycles. I paid my rent two years. I kept utilities on. You know, I did that. And so for that, I should, this should be, stability should be for me. Aaron, how is it that Wedgwood is able to profit so much in the middle of a pandemic when so many others are struggling to even stay in their homes? If there's one thing that we've seen from the pandemic, it's a widening of income inequality and that people who were well positioned prior to the pandemic are as well positioned or even more well positioned after. And those who were struggling to make ends meet before the pandemic are now even worse off. And I think Wedgwood is a classic example of that. They had a bunch of money and a bunch of capital prior to the pandemic, and they've been able to use that money to their advantage to continue buying properties and to continue profiting from those properties. And Molly, um, you know, you mentioned Moms for Housing and the protests and the public pressure that led Wedgwood to sell the house. And still, even with that public pressure and even with this state law, it doesn't really seem like it's changed, you know, corporations or, or Wedgwood's behavior at all. Yeah, I mean, I think that is something that we've seen before. We saw that in the last, you know, financial crisis and the foreclosure crisis that followed that was that 
there were just thousands of homes that ended up getting bought up and run by private equity companies. And that, I think, is the fear that we could be facing next, is that we could see another wave of that. And, you know, this law was really put in place to prevent something like that from happening. And what we've seen is that it's already happening. It's happening right now. Just to add to that, too, you know, Wedgwood, by their own admission, says that they don't really profit necessarily from buying one or two foreclosed homes. They profit because they operate at a massive scale. But when you look at hundreds of homes, thousands of homes in a community, what you're seeing is thousands of people who either are being evicted or you have someone else who's moving in who is able to pay more than the community around them. So it leads to turnover in a neighborhood, which we've seen has led to the displacement of, you know, primarily people of color. And that's one of the primary drivers of gentrification is corporations like Wedgwood going into communities and buying single family homes in mass and turning those over for a profit. Erin and Molly, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. As of Friday afternoon, Jocelyn had raised more than half of the $100,000 that she needs to help her buy the house along with the Northern California Land Trust. She has until Sunday, April 18th to match Wedgwood's bid. Thanks to Molly Solomon and Aaron Baldessari, KQED's housing affordability reporters and co-hosts of the podcast, Sold Out, Rethinking Housing in America. We'll leave you a link to that show in our episode notes. This episode was edited and mixed by Erica Cruz Guevara and Alan Montecilio. Isa Mendoza writes our Friday newsletter. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us to you. Talk to you next time. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.